Hi, I'm Justine. And I'm Sarah LaVon. And we are so glad you're here. We believe that your life has the potential to make a deep, meaningful impact on the world around you. You, as a nurse, have the ability to add value to every single person and patient you touch. We want to inspire you with resources, education, and stories to support you to live your absolute best life, both in and outside of work. But don't expect perfection over here. We're just here to have some conversations about anything birth, work, and life, trying to add some happy to your hour as we all grow together. By nurses, for nurses, this is Happy Hour with Bundle Birth Nurses. I don't know why, but I wanted to start this episode with, well, I have some sad news. It's just Sarah and I today. But I feel like it's so sad. Like, that's a joke, but it has been a minute since it's been just us. Hey. It's true. And we're finally I'm excited about it. I know. We have like bliss and lists of things. I know. And we're finally coming back with an episode that we promised we'd come back with of preceptorship (laughs) part two. The last preceptor episode, we talked about what the preceptee could bring to the table, which was like an organic. It was very organic. We didn't know it was going to go that way. And kind of the whole season, (laughs) like we talked about in the last episode, has been the like professional responsibility that we have as nurses Mm. to continue to learn. And that kind of maybe even sprung from the preceptee episode of like, what are you bringing to the table to help your learning? But this episode, we Mm. wanted to talk to the nurses that are precepting already, or probably will be soon. And what you could bring to the table to help you guide your future colleagues, which I think sometimes we easily forget, like, I don't want to precept, but I'm like, dudes, like you're precepting the people that are going to be right next to you, responding with you in an emergency. And I laugh sometimes because we are our preceptors a lot of the times. Like you are creating a mini you and that's a lot of responsibility. Mm. And I don't know if I'd want to create a mini me. (laughs) That's so not true. I'm a wonderful (laughs) nurse, but like in the sense of like charting and all that stuff, I have so much area of opportunity there. And like, I wouldn't want anyone to have those downfalls that I have, (laughs) but there's a lot of things I would want a nurse to have in my qualities, but there are some things (laughs) that drive people. Well, but I think that's the thing about being a preceptor is that it, it does like add to the level of expectation of the type of nurse that you are and sort of holds you accountable to know your stuff and to represent like obstetrics OB nursing well and then do it the right way because otherwise you're creating bad habits and you're going to be somewhat responsible for those bad habits that all responsible come from your preceptee <laughs> <laughs> yes my preceptor she would she's all responsible for my bad habits no no but I need the professional like <laughs> responsibility of myself to be like no I'm gonna get better at charting now I don't know I think I'm a lost right. cause but you are not a, no one is a lost cause, honey. <laughs> What's your issue with charting, by the way? I we know, digress. Like, what, I, like, what are, I will do the I bare minimum. Bare minimum. And like a lot of things, I'm like, oh, I didn't chart that. Like, that's not important. No one cares. It's just for data collection. That's not it's not gonna change anything. Like, that's terrible. It's not a thing. Like, that should not be a thing. But there are things there, like things I miss that I don't go back. I'm not losing sleep over the things I missed. Like they'll call me if they really care. It's bad. Well, but, but you know, it's my lack of attention like, to detail too. Like, yeah. I mean, if there are things that you're doing as your standard of care or your practice that you do with every single patient all the time, if it's charted or not. And I mean, really you're only charting for legal purposes and you know, like 
there's never been a case where I don't ever take a blood pressure. I mean, the blood pressure is going to be electronic. So like, let me think of another example, like that I don't turn my patient. Mm-hmm. Like I turn my patients. There's no mm-hmm. patient that will sit for an entire shift ever in the history of my practice. So yeah. the fact that it's not charted doesn't mean it didn't happen because there's it's literally just standard. You well, know? and those kind of things I will chart. I actually enjoy flow <laughs> chart, like that kind of charting versus like all the admission charting. I'll chart it, but there are things I miss in the admission charting. But I also work on a unit that if you get a patient from triage, everything's done. So all their admission mm-hmm. charting's done, their IV is started, all those things. So you get used to it. We just don't want you in triage. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell nurses all the time, you know, those amazing triage nurses that you read back and you're like, I know exactly why that patient was here last time. Like they've explained it to me yeah. so well and they will mm-hmm. see mine. And I'm sure they're like, oh no, like just seeing, like, I have no idea why this uh-huh. patient was here that time. Um, I'm, I'm being too hard on myself. It's not that bad. It's not that bad, but there are just some things that I, and I was talking to Sarah a little bit on the episode, like on the side before we started this episode, I think it's imposter syndrome when it comes to preceptorship, which is wild because of my job here as bundle birth nurses, but there's a lot of pressure in precepting. You want to do so good. And like, it would really suck to be a bad preceptor, I think. And I would hate for them to like go home and be like, oh, I hate my preceptor or like talk about like, they're just awful. Like, I don't think that's happening, but I, I guess it's well, good. I hold I, so much I, weight on it. It's important. Yeah. I mean, I cannot imagine that that's what they're saying. You're also a clinical prof or instructor. And so it's like, and they love you. So I think you are being too hard on yourself, but what a perfect transition into our conversation about how to be a good preceptor, because if you're doing a lot of the things that you actually said, so Justine put out a poll on Instagram of like, what makes a good preceptor? And we have the list here we're gonna talk through. Um, If you're doing these things, you're doing it. And I think, first of all, we need to acknowledge that the preparation that the hospital gives in precepting is not the best. It's not standardized whatsoever. And I mean, I, I we all know this, but they overwork our preceptors or our good nurses are, of course, the ones that get pulled to precept. And it is it is more work. It is more tiring. So and if you're having back to back, back to back nurses that you're precepting the whole way through, like that is tiring and it's going to wear you down. And so, you know, there is a system wide responsibility that sits here to not overwork our preceptors, to compensate the preceptor. Um, and treat them well because likely they are your exemplary nurse that does set the standard and does train up those younger nurses. Amen to that. And also when you said like, it's a lot of work, I was like, literally like mouthing, like so much work, but (laughs) it's so much work in the beginning. But if you do a good job at the beginning, then your job life gets so much easier. So (laughs) you're just chilling. Like it's all balances out. You're coasting. So like night shift preceptors Mm -hmm. always, usually not always usually, but usually have an advantage. Cause like they've done their day shift time, like, and then they go to nights and they're like basically little functioning nurses. And it's like, oh, this is great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you're just helping me. But if you are one of the nurses starting on nights for your preceptorship, or you start on days, the first batch, and especially with a new grad, that's tough. Oh yeah. Yeah. Doable. We were both new grads in LND and look look at us now, but it's tough. So yeah, speaking of that list, I think one of the things I hear often is consistency with preceptors and and a lot of things you like, you can't control that oftentimes, like if your preceptee can stay with you or not, Mm -hmm. 
but you can control making sure the person making assignments knows that you have a precept D and that what you guys need. And so maybe you're usually in triage, but you have a precept D now. And so you're like, no, like I need to do labor. You got to put someone else in triage. I can't be your default. And like advocating for that instead of being like, I've seen nurses like, oh, I'm in triage. Sorry. And then the nurse is like mm-hmm. hanging out to dry. So that's one thing. Right. And taking responsibility for your preceptee. Like they're already feeling like a deer in the headlights. They're already feeling overwhelmed, probably crying at home. At least I was. And like for you to be that welcoming face and, and actually whether you like it or not, you're going to have to, like, if you're set to precept, whether you have a good attitude about it outwardly, it doesn't really matter because you're going to have to precept anyway. And for your preceptee, who's already feeling overwhelmed and insecure to now know that you don't want to be there is not helpful. So that's my first tip for preceptors is like, watch your face, set your expectation. And it's not, it's not your preceptee's responsibility that management maybe didn't ask you or didn't um, set you up with the tools that you needed to be a good preceptor. That's, that should not be the preceptee's responsibility. There's a lot of preceptee preceptor happening here. I hope I'm saying it right. My God. And too, like, how would you want to be treated? Like it comes down to like, do the right thing. Like how would you, would you want Mm -hmm. someone that just like was mad the whole time? And say you did have someone that was that way. It doesn't mean it was the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know? So that's a great point. Yeah. Well, when I look at this list, I'm like so much of this, it's like interpersonal kindness. And that's like, very like sad to say, but I'm looking at like words of encouragement, talking through things, support, um, like what didn't help them is their way or the highway, gossiping, not explaining things, acting like I was stupid, not explaining the why, being disrespectful. Like, hello, if you are a preceptor right now, I'm going to get on my soapbox and be like, be better. Like the fact, I'm sorry, that we are grown and we are treating people poorly without kindness. Do you want to be an unkind person? Because that's what it turns out to be when these sweet new nurses are coming in energized and excited and you are stealing the light from their lives, (laughs) you know, that like we have to be better. That just is, I mean, honestly, I kind of, I just think it's so pathetic. And I know that we like, I'm not always nice. I say mean things. I don't, I don't mean them in my heart. I, I'm a lot, I'm a lot more talk than I am like action on that. Um, like, you know, but I think this is where we have to be doing the internal work to self-regulate and identify, like, am I taking this out on them? Is this their issue? We got to be in therapy. My God, like this is, <laughs> this is a deeper like humanity issue of a lack of kindness and empathy. And like, it's not their fault that you're tired. Okay. So my question to you now, because this is a really good point you bring up, but would you agree most people listening to this podcast aren't those people? So then I don't know. I don't know. Not necessarily. No, but then I'm wondering how can we, I think we are all guilty of writing each other's story. That's why it's become such like a trademark of us. You know, and I mean, I'm guilty of this. I write my own story. I write everybody else's story. And the whole point of why we talk about that being so important around here is like, we're human, you know, and our natural inclination is to be frustrated and to be negative and to, you know, like, like 
want to, I, I mean, I am a talker. I talk, like if you, if there's something going on, like Brian said this the other day, he was like, at least we know what's going on in your head because truly I like, I, I externalize everything. I have to be very careful about that. And it doesn't always come out, like it comes out very honest, but it doesn't always come out really like what my soul means. You know, I may be like, oh, that is so stupid. You're, I mean, you're hearing me now. I'm like, Rawr. I'm like feisty about this. But does that mean that I hate every preceptor that's unkind? No, you know, I'm just, I just think we can be better. So, I, you know, I, of course, I think that people who are engaged with this podcast are the types that are like, they want to be better. They want to learn and grow, or maybe they're bored on their way to work and they're like, oh, it's, they're kind of fun and interesting. Like, you know, I, so, but I think that we, every single one of us, no matter how perfect you think you are, none of us are perfect in this. <laughs> We can all be nicer and kinder and we can all watch our attitudes of how even just the side eye or the like grumble, those things for somebody coming on that's new, they affect them. And there's, there is an energetic component of like, you know, when, and I, this happened this morning, I'm looking at Brian, I'm like, you know, this is my coworker um, that, and I'm like, why is like, I, I have, there's an elephant in the room. I don't know what it is. I have a sick pit. Did I do something wrong? Like, why is he so irritated about nothing? Like I was not, there's no one else in the office and you're irritated. Like, you know, and I can internalize that. And I did, I'm sensitive to that energy. And of course we talked about it and then like flipped this and he was like, I don't know. And then he was like, oh no, I think I'm just distracted by this. And I was like, okay, and we're done. But we all like, because we're, we're working and living together in such close quarters, in high stress environments, with high stakes environments, with various personalities, various hierarchical systems issues in the hospital, I do think this is an issue. <laughs> that was like my very long answer to a, what you thought was going to be a short one. <laughs> hey, that's okay. Everything you say is great. Okay. That's a great point. That's really nice of you. (laughs) (laughs) Everything you say. Everything you say. The external processing can be a little challenging sometimes, but most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) But okay. So that's a good point. I have a question for you though, Sarah, because you led a peer mentorship program at your hospital. I know that. So you have, I feel like, and you're such a, you're such a systems thinker, which I am not. And so what are some tips you have for one of the things that nurses wrote in are like clear expectations and Mm -hmm. goals. What are some tips Mm -hmm. that you have to help a new grad? Let's say a preceptor precept, a new grad, when they come in setting clear expectations and goals and like growing from them, checking in with them, like, what does that process look like without making it like way more work? And then also like time-wise it has to be pretty quick because, you know, shifts are busy, you know, Mm -hmm. I sort of see it as parenting a little bit. Not that I'm a parent, but it is. It's like you start with an infant that literally like eats and sleeps and pees and poops. And then you eventually raise an adult that is let out onto the world. So it's like very quick parenting. Um, And so I think I think the most important missed piece is really getting to know your preceptee. I think there is a a like humanity piece that if you connect on that first day, you ask them a little bit about themselves, you understand what their training is, how comfortable and confident do they, like what have they done ahead of time? Like this could be 10 minutes, you know, let me get a baseline because my job is to help bring you from here to there. I think I can compare this to my current state right now of building out a business of like, 
we're growing a team. We just hired like three people this week full time to start in June. And so, and so I can do nursey things and I can create preceptorship programs because I do actually have one in my head. So anyway, I think you have to get to know them. I think you need to connect on a heart level. I think you need to like your primary job as the preceptor is to be super engaged with paying attention and getting to know your preceptee because, and that, and that means like, did this work for you? Did this work for you? When it, when this happened, how would you have preferred us to have that conversation? I know we did it outside the room, but would you have preferred to have it loosely at the bedside? There are conversations that can be had at the bedside, you know? Um, would you like me to model this first or would you like to try it? And then we can talk about it later and I can jump in. But, you know, it's sort of like there's an exploration phase that takes place in the beginning. And mind you, like there's stages of precepting too. Day one, they're just following you around, you know, and you're explaining everything that you do. But it's sort of like you there, there, there's an element of that you have to get to know your person. And if you're just trying to power through with no system, no this, it's like, oh, we'll start here and then we'll like, I guess we're in a C-section and they'll like just figure it out. There would be a way for you to help organize their learning to say, and I remember when I precepted, it was like, we're going to work on charting today and all I want you to do is chart. And this is where like you need enough shifts to be able to progress in that way so they can give their full attention. Our brains are not designed to carry as many things as that are as are coming into our brains every single day. There's actually, what is the book? I am I shouldn't even quote it because I cannot remember the title of this book, but it's basically about multitasking and how like we have to start pulling back. And so if you give those little things that once they once you learn your precept. D, it's like, where's their bigot? Like, where do you have to get them by the end of this shift? You know, and this shift, and but it, it creates some intention, right? By the end of this shift, I want them to be able to navigate the flow sheet and chart throughout the shift. And you do that. And then the next day, it's like, okay, we got that. Where do you feel? Where do you feel like you got it? And where do you feel like you don't got it? I really don't feel comfortable with the admission screens, but like the flow charting of like, if I'm charting on the tracing, I feel great about charting on the tracing. I did my, I did went through and I did my own advanced fetal monitoring classes. And like, so I feel really good about fetal monitoring. Great. If you know that about them, then you're checking that, but you're, you're moving on from the fetal monitoring side. And you're having conversations in the unique circumstance that there's like a weird tracing or, oh, this is new. Oh, are these late variables? Let's talk it through, of course. But otherwise then you're shifting your attention. Like then I'm gonna look for an admission screen for you to build off of while it's fresh in your brain. And we'll make sure that you get a couple admissions today to work that through. And then we're building off of that. But it's, it's like this open communication like people aren't talking to each other you're not trying to learn each other it's just like throw you into the wolves and both of you you know and you're not knowing where you're going with it but your preceptee also doesn't really know how to guide the situation so all that being said i think it has to be dosed out i think in the same lines of parenting that you get to know them you start with a skill wherever you're assigned and you do labor and you have to be debriefing and you have to be giving feedback that also requires the preceptee sorry that also requires the preceptor to ask how do you receive feedback best do you like me to give it to you straight do you need a compliment sandwich do you need to be like at the end of the day do you you know, um, and the expectation setting from the beginning so it's not a surprise for them that I will be giving you feedback and I do not expect you to be perfect 
now or ever really. I don't ever expect anyone to be perfect, but you know, I don't expect you to know this stuff. And if you don't know it, I need you to tell me so that we can get you there. This is a part of the learning. And this is like sort of your opportunity to, to learn and grow in a case where like, I'm expecting you to not know it. Eventually I'm going to expect you to know what a normal range blood pressure is, you know, or a severe range and be able to like lay that out for me. But that's where like expect to receive feedback. How are you going to receive feedback best? What works for you? And if it is, I would like to talk through the shift and debrief the shift. You're going to need to work in that at the end of like you're working ahead. And obviously there are certain, there's certain cases where they're delivering as the change of shift, like blah, 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 whatever. But you're working ahead so that your Foley's emptied 30 minutes prior instead of right before the end of the shift so that you could step away for 15 minutes and talk through the shift and you're paying attention. And this this also requires the preceptor to be paying attention to, mm, I didn't, that was not totally great, you know? And maybe you addressed it in person, but you wanna review in a non-punitive, safe, non-bedside, non-high-stress environment of, hey, this is what I want you to work on. I noticed that in your intake, you missed 30% of the questions. Tomorrow, I'm gonna get you some, some intakes and I expect that they're fully filled out next time, you know? Mm-hmm. So again, I'm like sort of ranting here. I definitely have a precepting course in my head on mm-hmm. this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of courses in my head, so no promises on whether or not you'll ever see it, but um, that's how my brain works. So I don't know if that answered your question, but to get us started. <laughs> no, those are good tips. Great tips. And when you said um, the debriefing, I will say as a clinical instructor, I let my students know that I will never ever like correct you in like a negative way in front of the patient, unless I see you doing something unsafe, will I intervene? And it wouldn't be like, Oh, what are you doing? It'll be like, my hand will come. And if my hand goes in, like, I'm like, I'm thinking like fully placement. Right. So, right. And then when we come out of the room, I'll say like, how do you think that went for you? And you know, that could be easily put into the preceptor new grad role. Mm -hmm. Like, how did that go? And let them reflect first. Cause they might bring up what they did. I mm-hmm. gave an IM injection on postpartum when I was in school without gloves and I'm holding the mm-hmm. site and I gave the injection. And I, when I remember when I gave it, I looked at my hands and I was like, Oh no. And yeah. we walk out of the room and my teacher was like, so how'd that go for you? I was like, I didn't have gloves on. And she was like, okay, as long as you like, know and you understood, like she didn't write me up for it, but there are some things where you might not even need to point it yeah. out. Cause they might bring it up, which would be even better yeah. because if they're bringing it up. They don't think you're mm-hmm harping on them. You know, I do think that Sarah, Mm -hmm. you would be like a very intimidating preceptor. 1 million percent. Yes. Yeah. I preceptors side note, one of my very good friends, um, I'm not going to say her name for her sake, but she, um, she broke her foot. Anybody that's ever worked with me knows exactly who this is. Um, she broke her foot and was out for like a year. But she had experience. Like she's not new grad, new whatever. They gave her to me when she came back to precept her for like three shifts. And she was talking to one of the other nurses that was like saying like, I, you know, I'm, and they were like, oh, who are you going to precept with? And they're like, Sarah. And she's like, oh, she's like, what do you mean? And <laughs> so she came in and now we're like, she's one of my best friends ever. But she was like, oh, I was so scared of you. Every shift, I was so scared of you. Like, I'm intense. I am, for sure. I mean, fun, and I'll, like, balance it. And I'm not mean, and I'm not, like, you know, I'm not out to get you. I'm very respectful, but, like, I do have high standards. And, like, no, that's not it. That's not not it. (laughs) That's not it. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, again, all is like, it's easier said than done because there's so many interpersonal dynamics that happen in the moment. And there's so many variables in life, but particularly labor and delivery where like, okay, we said to talk about it outside the room or that you're not going to like say something in the moment, but you're watching something unsafe happen and it comes out like, stop, you know? And like, I apologize. Mm -hmm. That was maybe not the best way to handle it, but there has to be grace both ways. Yep that you're doing your best and there's there's a lot of like fluid interpersonal stuff going on um that i think affects it's easier to like talk about it now and be like oh do this but in reality it's not always going to happen so perfectly so true okay two more things i want to bring up because i think they're important i wanted to remind people and we've talked a little bit about this like think lisa miller and jen atkinson of just remembering that ob is like not talked about much in school anymore and mm-hmm. the trend is that the NCLEX itself doesn't focus on OB. And so a lot of schools have even talked about getting rid of OB in general, all of it, just like we don't really have like a NICU rotation, right? Because the NCLEX doesn't talk about NICU. And so it might be one of those specialties and giving grace to these students coming out of programs that may have gotten so little, like I got four weeks and I know Sarah mm-hmm. got six months, but that's just an example of what that is. So having grace for those students, knowing that. And then there is something I hate. I hate it, Sarah. I hate it so much. And I think we've talked about it and I don't remember your opinion, but I hate when nurses talk about nurses not being able to hack it because of like the, how their training's going. I just, it drives me crazy and it makes me so mad for those nurses. And I remember being so Mm. scared that they were going to extend my orientation. And like, I wish now I could have extended it myself. Like when I got off at 16 weeks, I was like, okay, I made it. But I'm like, no, I wish I would have had 20 or 24 or give me a whole year at this point. Like, it's (laughs) just this culture of like, if you're, if you're not going to be able to hack it and it's this, it's so awful. And I, I don't like it. And so what are your thoughts? Do you agree? I'm I'm not stupid. I'm learning. Of course I agree with that. Like, who are you to judge whether they can hack it or not? Honestly, anybody can make it an OB if they try hard enough. Yeah. So unless you're seeing zero effort, Mm -hmm. right. Then it's then they can hack it. But how often too, like, I wonder how many of these nurses listening are the ones that somebody said they wouldn't make it. And here they are, are. you know, who are, who do you think you are? You know, God, we are so mean. So mean. So mean. And I don't know, or if they're super nice, they're going to be like, oh, they're never going to make it. Or if they're super, like they love Mm -hmm. what they do, they're so passionate. Like, oh, that'll change. Yep. Right. People say that about us. Yeah. And I think it's because OB is hard and we've talked about that Mm -hmm. and it can harden your heart a little bit. And so, and that's their issues talking, right? Maybe they were once excited Mm -hmm. and now they're not. And so they're projecting that on others, but that Mm -hmm. language has to stop. Like everyone can hack it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fine. Yeah. They just might need more time. Like you said, our brain can't process everything we're given at once and they didn't get it in school. And it's a whole, especially in this OB postpartum, Mm -hmm. um, baby, OR, ER, PACU. Like we talked about, it's all these specialties in one. That's a lot for 16, 20 weeks. Yep. I also can't hack it then. Just kidding. (laughs) Hard. So I feel like a lot of times I can't hack much. (laughs) Like just let them be, let them just give them more support then. So anyways. Yeah. 
I think one of the biggest things that I think about is um, you have to take responsibility for their learning experiences. Like it's not the preceptee's responsibility to find the learning. You know, and I kind of mentioned this of like doing the intake, for instance, or charting an intake. I'm going to get, I will find you three, like what nurse doesn't also like their intake to be done. They know how to do it. They don't need to do it, you know? And so like, I'm going to find that for you. I will cover the other patient. Nothing's happening here. She needs some, like, she needs to be turned and get her some water and like do maybe a little bit of education that like, let me go find you an intake to do with someone else so that you can see that, oh, there's a, there's something going on in the OR. Let me like, why don't you go over there? You know, there's, oh, they're, they're in the PACU and they need extra hands, go be extra hands, you know? And sort of that, like they, that you have to be loyal to your patient only. I, I love that. And I think there's lot, there definitely is necessary to see the whole process, but also for a lot of these orientations, they are so short that the more learning opportunities that you give them to observe, the better they're going to be. And, you know, and how often I hear all, actually I hear all the time that these nurses of like, I never saw that on orientation or I never did that. I did one birth. Like you had one birth in the 16 weeks of shifts that happened at your hospital. What? Like, no, no, even if you're not primary, that you can go in and be extra hands or you're going to be the baby nurse for that birth and you ask your other the other nurse to watch your patient who's taking a nap, you know, that you have to be managing and sort of charge nursing their learning experience to help them to at least see it and then help them debrief it. You have to help make sense in their brain of what's going on and obviously be available for questions. But I, I, I mean, I remember doing a lot of just talk through you know, that like, okay, so when this happened, what was going on in your brain? Do you know why this? And like, I would warn people that I would quiz them, but it was like, if you don't know, I don't expect you to know anything. And I would say that all the time. I don't expect you to know anything. So when I'm asking you a question, like do your best to answer them. And once they knew that it was like, you saw the weight lifted of like, oh, I can just explore, you know, I just get to, and if I if, I'm like, well, no, that's not the answer. Or like, actually it's this and like here's why and let me help you see why and then and then it, like one of my favorites actually now that i'm thinking about it was i we would talk about something so like this high risk condition and i would teach it to them and then they get to go teach it to the patient so like what pieces of this does the patient oh, need cool. to know and then they've you've already sort of modeled for them and then they get to internalize because the best way of learning is to teach back right? It's like, once you teach it, you become the expert. So when we talk about mag, mm -hmm. let's talk about mag outside the room. I'm going to talk you through the whole thing. This is your first time hanging it. We will, we will hang it together. The, the, the patient knows that this is your first time, but I'm here watching it. And so, but when we go in, I'm going to have you do the patient education based on what you heard. What did you hear? What are your key components for patient ed? They have some time to explore. And then we go in the room and they teach the patient. The moral of the story is like, be a good person, but then also take responsibility <laughs> for this position that you are now in as the preceptor. And like we said in the beginning, we told the preceptees, like you have to have a responsibility. And also as a preceptor, you're not out of, you're not clear, right? You also have to, you need to make sure that you understand how to communicate with people. Like you said, fix your face. Are you walking around with an angry face? Are you constantly complaining at the station about your unit? Are you just full of a negative vibe, like vibe? <laughs> Cause that mm -hmm. sucks. If you're wanting, if you're going to have to precept someone. 
setting goals and expectations. I know I'm like a paper person. So honestly, when you were talking that through, I'd probably have it like written down. Like, what did we work on today? Cause I would forget that shift to shift. And so figuring out what that looks like for you and your precept D. And I think what you said about the exploration stage is like money. Like, that's great. Like, you're right. You need to explore how they take criticism, how they want to learn what they want. And then also not only is it good for you, but it makes them feel like, oh, they really care. And so this is a relationship you're going to have. You're going to have this person attached to your hip for a while. Like you might as well like get to know them and build a relationship. And then also, again, they are your person when like they're off orientation. These are the nurses that maybe they're working a different shift, but they're going to be giving you a report. They're going to be taking care of the patients after you. They're your, you're going to be like with them in an emergency. So don't take it lightly. Not to come down like super hard again, <laughs> but I think too, it's easy to be like, well, they're not paying me for this. You're on the clock. You're there to work. And like, I know we all want to be lazy and we all want to work smarter, not harder, but you are there as an employee of the hospital. And if they have asked you to do this, you're on the clock. And I hope that they compensate you for it. I really do. I think that it's worth compensating. I hope you're getting more than a dollar an hour, but I know most people get about that, maybe less. Um, And that doesn't totally feel worth it, but also like you're there to be a part of a unit culture. You're there to contribute to the growth of that hospital unit and to the safety of patients in the future. Um, Sort of like this is one of those self-regulating stuff of like, if you don't like it, you've signed up for it. So it's like, you know, it's like the doctors we call in the middle of the night of like, you can be upset, but yeah. like, don't take it out on me. Cause you, you did, you knew what this job was, you know? And it kind of, we have to be just as accountable to the fact that like, you're on the clock. Love you. Thanks for spending your time with us here on this episode of happy hour with bundle birth nurses. If you like what you heard, it helps us both. If you subscribe, rate, leave a raving review, or share this episode with a friend. If you want more from us, you can head to bundlebirthnurses.com or follow us on Instagram and TikTok. Now it's your turn to go and just be kind to one another. Put yourself in their shoes. Don't write their story. Treat them with respect and help grow the future generation of labor and delivery nursing. We'll see you next time.